Okay, so for the scripture reading today, we are going to read chapter 4 of the book of Joshua. It can be found on page 180 in your pew Bible. While you turn there, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the risk of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest here, bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord, come up from the midst of out of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of, Jericho, out of, Jor, out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you, for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Word of God for the people of God. Yep. 
Well, I hope we have it all straight that Christmas is when we celebrate eating turkeys that the dogs didn't chase off. So, <laughs> There's an ancient tablet left by, I believe the king was Ashurbanipal. Someone can correct me later. Um, after he destroyed the city of Susa, this is ancient Near East. Um, this is the king boasting, the, the Susa, the great holy city, abode of their gods, seat of their mysteries, I conquered. I entered its palaces, I opened their treasuries, where silver and gold, goods and wealth were amassed. I destroyed the ziggurat of Susa, I smashed it shining copper, I reduced the temples of Elam to naught, their gods and goddesses I scattered to the winds. The tombs of the ancient and recent kings I devastated, I exposed to the sun and carried away their bones. Toward the land of Asher. I devastated the province of Elam, and on their lands I sowed salt. He was proud of himself. He came, he saw, he conquered. And what conquerors do is they leave a memorial to their greatness, a great arch to show that they had won an incredible victory. Um, travel around and see statues made to great conquerors, great leaders, and we make memorials. It was common in the time of um, um, the, 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 the Hebrews. It was common in the time of Ashurbanipal. It was common throughout history so that people would see the king's glory and Pharaoh's glory and the glory of the great leaders. And here is a great conquest that is taking place. The Israelites because of God's miraculous work, cross over into the land they're about to conquer. They cross over the sea, God miraculously parting the waters to allow them through. And as they do, he says, Joshua, take 12 men, get a representative from each tribe, get each one of them to have a stone, so years later, grandchildren can say, that's the stone my great-great-daddy put there. They would have contact and no, and, and put up these stones as a monument, not to Joshua's greatness, not to Moses' greatness, not to the, the greatness of any kings that would come after. It's a monument to God's greatness. It's a memorial of what God has done. And what a wonderful contrast that the people of Israel are called to remember not your own strength, your own power, but God's faithfulness, God's love, God's grace in bringing you to the land that he has promised to do. We, we looked last week at, at the, the, the God's presence and, and parting the sea and bringing them in. And before they go in, before they face the walls of Jericho, before they go in, they are to set up a monument to this event of God's goodness to them. Um, what we remember shapes who we are. It determines our identity, the things that we build memorials to. They, they, they kind of frame the story we tell ourselves, which make a claim of who we are as a people, who, who we are. That's why in the past few years, um, there, there have been just so many debates and so much um, um, 
discussion and protest and events of, of tearing down memorials. It's rebellion, not just against a statue, it's rebellion against a narrative, an identity. And a lot of the debate and discussion is about who we are because what we remember shape us. They tell people who we see ourselves as. They, they, they shape who we are and how we understand ourselves to be. And so as we see, God wants the people of Israel to remember that they are a people who worship a faithful, powerful God who keeps his covenant promises to them and is able to do what he's promised and able to bring them into this land. What a, a good reminder for us. What do you remember? What do you have memorials to in your house? What are some of the monuments that you have in your office or wherever? I don't like the term man cave, but whatever the equivalent is. You know, I, I, um, I'm, I'm so happy that even the very last person across the finish line gets a little finisher medal of any race. And I have a few finisher medals. Um, and they don't tell you how late you finished, which is good. But, but I have those. And it's great to remember, um, I don't know, any kind of, you know, if you, if you have a cup from a uh, Fort Pillar trail run, you, you can remember, oh, this was when it rained. Oh, this was when we started early because the tornadoes. You remember the things that take place there. Maybe for some of you, you have other trophies and sports things. You remember when we did this? Oh, remember this is the game where this happened. We have monuments to athletes and, and the joy of sports. Maybe, maybe it's work. Maybe, you know, I, I have degrees. So, I mean, I'm not saying, you, you, you know, this is a bad thing. But what does it say that, you know, your, your qualifications and, and it is something to be proud of when you've achieved a degree and have that diploma. But the idea is that who we are is very much shaped, by, you know, what we're remembering. And we have to ask ourselves, if we look around our homes, if we look around our uh, places and the things that we remember, what are we remembering? Are we remembering our greatness? Are we remembering our achievements? Are we remembering primarily the, the, the things that we have done? Um, you know, what we've done career-wise, what we've done with all this, and how much are we remembering God and his faithfulness and who we are above all is who God has made us and his grace to us informing us and shaping us. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting we go throw out trophies. I'm not suggesting we tear down um, certificates off our wall. What I'm suggesting is do we spend time, as much time, remembering God's faithfulness as we do remembering and celebrating our own achievements and the things that we have done. Because that's what God is wanting them to do in understanding who they are as a people, is that God's goodness and greatness. And the way we do this is, don't, don't grab any rocks on the way home. It might be a, a good idea to, to take a stone from Nakomi if that's a special thing. I'm, I'm not saying one way or the other. Because we, we, the way we tend to do things is not so much... Um, pictures and, and signs and symbols as setting up stones in time. 
setting up stones in our home of what's a priority. So whether or not you have crosses in your living room isn't the point. The point is, do you come to the cross in your living room? Do you set aside time and worship? Is worship with the community of faith a priority? Is this something, as we are remembering and celebrate everything, are we remembering and celebrate God and his faithfulness to us? Uh, The Psalms repeatedly talk about, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to recount his wondrous deeds. It's the idea that we, we praise God and the way we praise God is remembering what he's done for us. We, we worship him, we, we praise him, and, and the way that is done is by remembering he is the one who brought us out of Egypt, remembering he is the one who brought us into the promised land, remembering he is the one who sent his son to die on the cross for us, remembering his faithfulness and guiding us and, and leading us. Are we setting up stones Are we building memorials in our habits, in our life, and in the way we do things that say, what's really important to me is what God has done and God's faithfulness to us. Uh, We remember God's mighty deeds. It's crucial for us to form ourselves and to shape us uh, by doing that. Not not that we don't take pride in in the blessings God has brought, the, the things we've achieved, but... We take greatest uh, pride and boast in, cro- in the cross. One of the things that this does, that he points to in um, verse 24, uh, building up the stones, and he's answering when the children ask that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry, dry ground, verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. That part of what this is doing is showing to others, um, because of where your heart is, it reveals to the nations who you worship. You are displaying God's faithfulness. By building up a memorial, any nation that passed by would remember God was faithful to his covenant people. He was faithful to them, and it points attention not to them, but to the one who saved them, who brought them in. It points attention to God. And so the same way, when, when we have remembered God, remembered God in the way we live our life, remember the God in the way we make him a priority, when we set up memorials to God in our own life, one of the things we do is we bear witness to those around us who God is, his greatness. And, our, you know, there's just something about the way your love and your passion and your, the, the way you um, value something reflects to others its importance. I mean, it, it, as simple as, you know, if you are going to go to a restaurant, um, you might look at reviews and enough people saying, this is a great place. Or even, you know, just somebody telling you, this is a really good place, I loved it. That itself is enough to make you kind of say, well, maybe it's good. They're, they are enjoying it. They've, they've shown the place for it. And the same way, when we adjust our lives to show the priority of God, when we remember God in our life and, and people see that God is important for us, not that we're going around showing everybody how wonderful of a Christian we are and how holy we are, but, but as we serve and love others, as we remember him, it shows to other people and lifts up and exalts God and draws the nations to himself. 
I have often thought one of the greatest testimonies um, to God's faithfulness is when you sing like you do. You know, I, I just think of someone gathering in worship and to hear you sing God's praises. And I think especially when I, when I hear you sing God's praises, knowing some of the difficulties you go through yet still praising Him, what incredible testimony to, to each other, but also anyone who's with us, of how we love our Savior, how we love Jesus. When, when, when we display it with our, um, with our worship, with our remembering Him, when we are singing in ways that praises Him for what He has done for us. So one of the things is, not only does it shape us and it form us, but, but that the way it shapes us and form us is itself kind of a proclamation to the nations of who God is. But this is also part of passing on the faith to our children. This is part of what we do as we set up times to remember God, remember Him by worshiping, remembering by reading the Scripture, remembering Him by praying and remembering what He's done for us, is that we do that in a way that our children ask their fathers in the times to come, what do these stones mean? Why do we say a blessing? Why do we pray before bedtime? Why do we go to church? What's that bread for? And we're telling our children, this is who we are. This is who, what God has done for us. This is, this is who he is. And we rejoice in what he is doing. We shape and form our children. We, we share the gospel with those that we are entrusted to share the gospel to. It, it, it only insinuates this, but it's also a wonderful promise. They haven't gone in yet. They're, they're just at the boundary. They're about to go in. And God's commanding them to tell their children what these stones mean. The implication is, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Jericho is going to fall. The cities are going to crumble. You are going to inherit this land. You are going to establish the kingdom. And you are going to live here. And you're going to have children. You're going to have the children I promised to Abraham. You're going to have grandchildren. You're going to have the fruit that I have promised to you by, by saying you're going to bring them back. This is the promise. It's a done deal. You have to go fight, but I've already given this to you, and I'm already telling you you are going to have children and grandchildren that I'm commanding you now to come back and tell this story about. Isn't that great that he's already said, I'm conquering, I'm giving you the land, it's yours, and you're going to have children that you're going to come recount this story to. Well, as I stand before this table, can't help but remember that Christ also told us to remember. He takes the bread, he takes the cup and says, do this in remembrance of me. And by consequence, all of worship, remembering him and as we do it, it forms us and shapes us. It, it, it instructs our, our children of, of who we are, but it also displays the gospel to all nations. It shows God's salvation of bringing us into his promised land to all the nations. That's what Paul says. You've heard it so many times, you might could recite it with me. When Paul says, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 
And as we do this, we are displaying before the world the gospel that Christ has died for sinners, that he has saved us, and that just as the promise that they were going to enter into that kingdom and have children and grandchildren, that he himself is going to return and establish his kingdom, fulfilling the promise that he is going to take us into that promised land and into that rest. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen.